Well, welcome back to Spiro Avenue. What a day to be alive. We were here just a day ago telling you that East Lansing was on fire and everything was a mess and then suddenly things have calmed down. We, to we told you very clearly that East Lansing was uh, ablaze, that the situation in East Lansing was perhaps irrecoverable in the immediate future. And it took about 24 hours for that to crumble, but in the best way possible. So if the Board of Trustees, the Athletic Department of Michigan State, was ablaze, was engulfed in flames, new coach Mel Tucker coming from Colorado was the fire hose. Michigan State is officially off the mat, and they have stabilized their program with the new coach Mel Tucker. It was, what, maybe five, six days ago that I was poo-pooing the idea of Mel Tucker coming here, and a lot changed in five or six days. Number one, I was a little bit ignorant about his recruiting background, his relationships throughout the country, his reputation as a guy uh, that is a closer in recruiting. I grossly underestimated uh, his ability in that regard. And number two, Michigan State's situation just changed drastically. Suddenly, everybody started looking a little bit better when Michigan State was getting dragged through the mud in a way really that's unprecedented in the history of college athletics in terms of a coaching search calamity. So in that five or six days, in my opinion, change a little bit? Yes. Is there an element of this where I am trying to talk myself into a coach because he is now my coach? Also, yes. Busted, guilty, I admit it, you got me. Do I think this is a home run hire? No, I don't. Do I hope I am wrong about that? Yes, I do. But given everything that happened, you have to consider the context of this situation. You have to consider the landscape that Michigan State found themselves in, or let's face it, put themselves in. When you factor in all that, you ended up with a coach who is nationally well-regarded, who has an incredible reputation and a demonstrable ability to recruit like a maniac. This is a good outcome. This is probably a better outcome than Michigan State deserved, but you know what? They ponied up, and uh, he was introduced tonight. It, it was awesome. It, I mean, it was the longest introduction it, it, that I've seen in years where <laughs> – he was introduced. Let's see if we can get all the all the people down. Mel Tucker shows up at the Breslin Center for his press conference, but he's hiding in the closet or in a janitor's room somewhere because uh, we didn't see him for about an hour after he arrived. He was introduced by the president, the chair of the board of trustees, an MSU football player, Tom Izzo, his wife, his kids, and Zeke the Wonder Dog. We heard from everybody, but they finally brought him out to great acclaim, Mel Tucker was introduced. He actually met with the players briefly beforehand. My buddy Ant Wright created this great video. We'll share it. Uh, <laughs> this I don't think this is the music they actually had playing in the video Michigan State tweeted out, but uh, check this out. Mel Tucker walking in uh, to the room to meet his players, new players for the first time. Just awesome. Really, uh, Ant Wright, a good friend of the show, uh, 
I, I think he created that pretty funny, pretty funny. And, and really that is what it feels like for Michigan State people right now. They're excited for it, and I think people are more relieved than anything. The intelligent people in, the, in this fan base, uh, of which there are many, uh, believe it or not, are, are just happy that it's over. And this was not a good time. It was not a good time, uh, particularly the last week. Arguably, you could say the last four years have been mostly a nightmare. So, I mean, what's my immediate reaction? I think Michigan State probably paid Capitol Grill prices for a Steak and Shake burger. Nothing wrong with Steak and Shake. It's pretty good as fast food goes. Hits the spot. You're not going to pay $35 for the Steak Burger, right? I think Mel Tucker is solid. I don't think he is uh, $6 million great. I don't think he's uh, second biggest assistant coaching uh, budget pool in the Big Ten level great. I'm happy they're giving it to him. But I think with the, the carrot that Michigan State dangled, you would hope to have a coach that had more than one year of head coaching experience and a 5-7 and seven record in that year who has been in six different jobs in 10 years. If you are going to back up the Brinks truck, I would have liked to have seen a better person here, a better candidate here. But the bottom line is that wasn't an option, and that wasn't happening. You were not even with that offer going to get that coach because Michigan State was a damaged asset and is a damaged brand that is trying to now get off the mat. So you might have to pay close to Dabo and uh, Nick Saban prices, and you're not going to get that guy. You're going to pay for that for a B-B coach. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. We just don't have enough data on the guy, really, to say it's a terrible hire or a great hire. The one thing I'll say is that guy's going to recruit, and I believe that. And you look at what Michigan State is doing, they're already going after the big guns in uh, terms of the assistant pool. He has a huge pool to draw from. They have uh, Vince uh, Merrow from Kentucky, tight ends coach, associate head coach there in Kentucky that they're chasing. Probably the best recruiter in the entire country by most accounts. They're going big game hunting right out of the gate. Mel Tucker was on that private jet from Boulder to, to Lansing for three minutes, and they were already on the horn with assistant coaches trying to get the staff in place. So it's a great sign. You know, they're shooting big. They're shooting big. And it's, it's just good to see because even if you miss, this program has never, even at the peak of the D'Antonio era, been all hands on deck, backed up with the budget in terms of the assistant coaching pool. Whether you want to argue that D'Antonio could have gotten that, had he asked, some people think so, it's possible. It's possible. We know he protected his friends, and his friends weren't going to make seven figures. What would they have done to earn that? It's possible the backing would have been there, but we never saw it. We'll never know. But the point is the backing is there now. Mel Tucker has it in writing that he has that backing. That is not a a promise uh, that will not be fulfilled. He is guaranteed a significantly huge pool to draw from for his assistant coaches. Michigan State is effectively acting like an SEC school, and this is something uh, a true Spartan fan, my brother Sean and I were talking about this today, he, he was the one that phrased it that way, and I think it's spot on. Mel Tucker is going to run this thing like an SEC program, and I think that's what you need. I think that's what this program needed. They needed a jolt. They needed a, a, a kick in the nuts to get going, and they got that guy. 
So am I more relieved than I am thrilled? Yes. But I will not apologize for backtracking. What I will say is that I was not thrilled with the idea of hiring Mel Tucker at first. I read more on him, started to like him a little bit more, and Michigan State's situation got a lot worse. So at least we have relief and stability. You know, does he leave in three or four years for uh, greener pastures, if you will? Possibly. But at the, the pay rate he's getting here, for it to be a raise to leave, he's going to have to win big in East Lansing. No one's going to come knocking on his, on his door offering him $7 million to coach at Georgia or wherever unless he's winning 12 games a year here. I mean, they're not, they're not calling him for 9-3. and three. So if you get three or four years out of him where he's winning anywhere close to that level, even if it's one year at that level, you take that, especially given the situation Michigan State was in. If he doesn't hit that level, he'll never get an offer better than what Michigan State has. He's going to be one of the highest-paid coaches in America with one of the most substantial backings in America. So it's a good hire. It's a good hire given the situation, and you know we'll see where it lands. It's we've, We're in uncharted territory with Michigan State football right now in terms of the, the budgetary backing that the university has agreed to provide. There's, there's no precedent for it. So we, we understand that any coach at this juncture would have had flaws. Mel Carter's flaw, we talked about it yesterday. We said it was either going to be inexperience or off-the-field baggage or a shaky record or whatever it is. Mel Carter checks the inexperience box in terms of a head coach. Obviously, vast experience across the board as an assistant, but in terms of a head coach, inexperience. That's the box we checked. Probably a better one than off-the-field controversy given the state of this program. So they did fine. Michigan State did fine. And I think that's where we're at. Do I think they overpaid? Uh, Yes. Do I think they had to overpay? Also, yes. And this idea that Mel Tucker, Michigan State, taking it on the chin today, uh, this criticism of Mel Tucker for accepting this offer, for doing an about-face, look, if you come to me today, and you say, look, you may like your job, but I'm going to offer to raise your salary by 50%. You're making 100000 I'm going to pay 150 k And my current employer wants to keep me, and they're you know, cringing and waiting for me, my decision. And I announce to the world, you know what, I'm staying with Company A. I'm staying, I'm staying put. And then four days later, Company B comes in and offers me 250000 And they offer me a substantial perk package that was not there prior that goes on top of my drastic increase in their original offer and a, a even more drastic increase in my current status. I'm not changing my original decision by saying yes the second time. I wasn't lying when I said I was staying the first time. I wasn't lying when I said, hey, thanks, but no thanks. It was a completely separate decision. That's not the same decision. If Michigan State's offer had been exactly the same and Mel Tucker changed his mind four days later, that's different. But we know Michigan State got kicked in the teeth with the Luke Fickle news. Uh, Bill Beekman went to the board. The heads got together, and they agreed to throw the godfather offer at Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker never turns this package down the first go-around, especially if he thought he was the guy and not playing B to Luke Fickle. So he's, he's, 
Mel Tucker didn't change his mind. It's a completely different decision. He was put to a different decision. So the criticism is asinine. What is the precedent for anyone turning down this type of uh, increase? Name the coach that's done it. Name somebody in any profession that's done it. I mean, maybe, maybe there's some landscaper in Piscataway that turned down a substantial increase one time. Not going to find many public figures turning down a two-fold increase in salary and a perk package uh, through the roof. So say what you want. I, there's no legitimacy to the Mel Carter criticism in this regard. The optics weren't great, granted, but there's, there's no validity. So Michigan State has a football coach, fantastic, good to see. You know, we'll see what happens. I, I will say year one is a punt. Just punt it. You know, if you go 6-6 six and six and make a bowl game, that's, that's great. He should probably win Coach of the Year in the Big Ten. But I'm not going to put any stock into it. You just want to see them operating in an intelligent fashion. You know, no off-the-field nonsense. Uh, you know, going forward on fourth down on the opponent's side of the field when it's fourth and, you know, a yard. Stuff like that. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to look for the signs, but in terms of the win-loss record, you're punting it. And even year two, it's like you start to care in year two, but I'm really going to put my, uh, my judgment cap on in year three. So Michigan State's probably going to take it on the chin for a while. This program is in shambles and needs to be rebuilt. Got to give Mel Tucker time. Everyone's got to just understand that that's where we're at. So I'm happy with it. I'm good with it. I'm happy the whole thing is over because that was a, a brutal week, a brutal week, and it, it, maybe we could have seen this coming when Michigan State had a miraculous win, which should have been an easy win against Illinois in, in the basketball department. But things are, are turning around. They couldn't have gotten any worse. So I'm happy with it. I'm good. Real quick, let's transition to this. This will be just about a minute. Detroit Tigers, look, I, I don't have the, the steam to get into the Tigers that much right now. I just don't. But there's already articles going around about the first overall pick that's coming in June and what direction to go. And everybody and their brother, there's a Detroit News, Lynn Henning, who I thought was retired, but he keeps coming up, uh, wrote an article today talking about how Torkelson, the first baseman from Arizona State,'s got to be the guy. And if not him, Austin Martin, the infielder from Vanderbilt, has to be the guy. And he discounted Emerson Hancock, the starting pitcher from Georgia. And that very well may be what it should be. Maybe you do take Austin Martin. Maybe you do take Spencer Torkelson. But you can't take them just because you think the pitching staff is so loaded for the Detroit Tigers. Everyone talks about Casey Mize and Matt Manning, Tariq Skubal, Maybe Franklin Perez won't be dead for 10 seconds and achieve 15% of the potential we were told he had. You can't base your decision uh, on the first overall pick, a franchise-altering decision, based on the pool of prospects you have in pitching or hitting or whatever. you got to take the best player. If the Detroit Tigers had three or four of these guys established under team control, we've seen them throw in the big leagues and they're tearing it up, then maybe, okay, eh, we'll, we'll go for the hitter. That's our immediate need. The Detroit Tigers have needs everywhere. The team stinks. 
So if you determine that Emerson Hancock, the starting pitcher from Georgia, is the best player with the best potential career of anybody in the prospect pool, that's who you take. And you shouldn't feel bad about it. That's the smart thing to do. If Torkelson is uh, the highest ceiling, in your opinion, that your scouts think he's the best player, or Austin Martin from Vanderbilt, that's who you take. But you have to take the best available player. Don't tell me that because the Detroit Tigers have 17 pitchers that you love that have never even made it to the majors, uh, you have to go offense in the draft. You don't. You don't. Take the best player available. So that's all I got. You're going to hear that story for a couple months. Uh, The fan base seems to be all aboard the offense train. I'm all aboard the get the best player possible because this organization's a nightmare. Train. So that's it. Spiro Avenue, Mel Tucker, welcome to East Lansing. Emerson Hancock, starting pitcher for Georgia. Maybe welcome to Detroit if the Tigers are smart and he's the best player available. We'll see. I'm just happy to not have to talk about the Michigan State coaching search anymore. Thank God. All you Detroit Pistons fans out there, I hope you're enjoying the outcome of a 10-year delay in the rebuild that should have happened a long, long time ago. The Pistons are entering the dark ages, and it's, it's fantastic. So I hope the 12 people that still care about them are enjoying uh, getting pounded every night. Should have happened a long time ago. So Spiro Avenue, Justin Spiro, thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Go Green.